You now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world, the Stay Woke Podcast, right here on the SonicBreakdown.com. It's a king to a god, what's a god to a non-believer who don't believe in anything. Welcome back to another Stay Woke Podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson, and you know the Stay Woke Podcast is presented by the SonicBreakdown.com. So if you haven't read a review, you need to go check that out on thesonicbreakdown.com. And today we have a special guest. We have Miss Alana Jane in the building. Hello. And today's going to be, today's episode, you know, we talk about music, movies, sports, and more, social issues, everything with the Stay Well Podcast. But today's episode is specifically about uh, the TV show American Gods. And I just want to preface is that at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned um, after we say the our closing things, I'm going to have and upload some sections of some previously recorded American God conversations that we haven't released yet, kind of in preparation for this. So stay tuned for that. But today's episode, again, is going to be covering American Gods uh, since it is concluded now for the first season. You've, you've, you've read some of the books, or the book, correct? I did read the book, yes. So uh, Ms. Jane has some some background information that uh, all of us might not know if you just seen the TV show. So we'll try to keep it limited to the TV show the best we can, but hey. Yes, I'll do my best. You know how our show goes. Spoilers alert. Probably uh, wise. Spoilers <laughs> for the whole season, maybe spoilers for the book. I'll try not to. Oh, yeah, it's definitely spoilers for the whole season. So if you ain't caught up by now, you might want to hold off. Don't. Still listen to the podcast, but uh, come back in a couple of days when you finish. Mm-hmm. You can um, have a full Netflix experience now. The whole season is up. Exactly. That's that, <laughs> that's very true. What do you think of the, the show as a whole? I'm really, really loving the show. I remember when I was reading the book, I thought there was no way that it could be adapted into any kind of viewable anything because it's, it's such a fantastic, like there's so many fantasy elements in the story. But the way that TV is produced now, there's the way that a, a mini series or a produced for a streaming service can can get a full budget like they have beautiful effects work and they they're able to bring these fantastic ideas right onto the screen in a way that I think is really engaging so i love the production quality i love a lot of the stylistic choices i love what they've done with the dialogue some of some of it is from the book and some of it is reinterpreted and um you know given they've done some different choices with it and i and i really appreciate all of it, I think it fits in with the tone. It's not always easy to add new things into an adaptation without, you know, spoiling it or, or setting it off course. And they're doing great. And then the, 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 the final thing I adore about it is the performances from the actors. I think they're really, really strong across the board. There are tons of characters in this material, and I'm just loving all of it. For me, um, I, I've i never read the book. I only read, I'd say, a, a chapter. And then I started just watching the show and I figured I'd watch the show. And then once the show's over, uh, I'd finish the book. So now that this season's over, I'll probably finish the book. With that being said, I really enjoyed the show. I, I like the direction of it and, and it. and I like the fact that they've left a lot of room, even from the beginning of the episode, for, from the first episode to the conclusion of this season, a lot of room for growth and a lot of space for it to evolve into to to for them to navigate into there is a a a major outline of the story of this war this coming battle between the old gods and the new gods there's so much so so many places they can go just with the different gods and the fact that they did involve so many different it's open to any gods of any cultures of any religion of demographic There's, there's there's really a lot of places to go 
when you first saw the first episode in comparison to the book, did it hold you or hook you as as well as the book did or did the show have to grow on you more than the book or vice versa? Well, it's interesting. My very first impression was I was wondering if I was going to like Shadow and Wednesday together Um, because their relationship is obviously really crucial to the whole story. Um, And who they cast as Wednesday, Ian McShane, he looks a little different than how Wednesday is described in the book. And I thought that would distract me, but it, but it actually stops being a problem almost immediately because Ian McShane's performance, especially his like vocal performance, the delivery of his very strange turns of phrase um, when he is really great. Is, yeah. Is it's really, really great. And then Sha- shadow is very quiet when we meet him and he tends to be more quiet, but then, Wednesday really brings out his sarcasm um, and they, they actually have a really great rapport together. They have a lot of energy when they talk together. Uh, so even though they didn't like, you know, when you read, you're always a ima- you imagine faces and stuff when you read. And even, and even though that didn't match up for me when I saw them on screen, like they pulled me right in They're perf- like their, their chemistry with each other is really great. I'll, I'll say I'm going to, I'm going to get right into some of the things I didn't like. Try it, lay it out. I didn't like that. They brought Laura Moon back. <laughs> I, I just when it when it first happened, that's what I said. I was like, "Oh, damn! They brought this bitch back." Like, it was like, "No!" Like, because I just felt like she was going to be a distraction for Shadow, and especially. Oh, do you mean in episode seven when she comes back after she comes back, or you mean in episode? Then you mean the beginning when she comes back? Which in the beginning, I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, why she come back?" And then it just like solidified it when she was sitting on his bed at the mm-hmm. hotel, and I was like, "Man, if you don't." I was like, Shadow, bro, mm-hmm. you got to let her go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just keep it moving. Yeah, Laura's a challenging character, and she's actually quite different on in the in the TV show. Like, they 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 gave her a lot more to do in the TV show, and in in an interesting way. And let me let me say the re the reason why I was not happy that they brought her back, and why I wasn't happy at that scene as well, is just because she's a bitch. Like she. She's, she doesn't seem remorseful of anything that she did. She doesn't. She's real sarcastic about it, actually. Yeah, and so that's and so that's why it's like, yeah, well, like, why are you messing with my man, Shadow? Mm-hmm. Shadow's a good guy, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, that's how you feel. And he loved her. He broke the law for her. It was her stupid. I, like, I actually like that we do the deep backstory to see why was he in jail, and it, it's all her fucking fault. Like, <laughs> well, is it truly her fault? Oh, that's that's true. Spoiler for episode yeah, eight. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, we we took it there. So <laughs> yeah. let's go there because yeah. her, oh, plan, I love her that. plan was on point. Yeah. Yeah, and and right because she was like in in episode four she she's like it was a perfect plan and she's obviously super disappointed and pissed that Shadow is in jail now when it was supposed to be a perfect plan and then uh, and then she's told it wasn't a, it wasn't a perfect plan because it didn't allow for divine intervention that was the point that she missed and um, that whole arc of that it wasn't random like nothing that happened to them was random chance um it was actually odin trying to reach shadow for reasons that are not yet clear and so not only did shadow have to go to jail uh he needed to sacrifice his wife like he doesn't sacrifice his wife but his wife is sacrificed by the machinations of odin that re- that reveal in se- in episode 7 was actually amazing that matt sweeney was on was on site he was the cause of the accident cuz cuz when they when when they show the accident in 4 
there is a thing where it looks like her shoulder is knocking the gear shift out of position. Like there, you can see it yeah. actually on screen and it's like, Oh man, what a stupid accident. And that's another thing that I have to, I have to say in accomplishment to the writers and directors yeah. is that choice of shooting because the same thing as you saw, I saw that same thing that her shoulder hit it. And I was like, well, that's kind of karma for you fucking over your husband. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's, is, is that and roadhead boys and girls yeah, yeah. don't do it yeah, exactly, exactly it's like okay well you, again, even, even, even the fact of how nonchalant she was about even how like asshole she was to the guy she was cheating on her husband with mm-hmm. was like it was like oh yeah it's karma you deserve <laughs> right she was shitty to him too she was not she's not a very loving person she's she's quite depressed actually i would yeah. say and she takes it out on other people not not necessarily a great human and we kind of wonder why Shadow's in love with her. And also she calls him puppy in a way that's not cute. It's very condescending. And it's that's the thing about it is because that's, I guess, the aggravating aspect of it is because Shadow was so strong in every other aspect. Mm-hmm. Even when Wednesday, he's he's strong, but he's not aggressive. Mm-hmm. Because in certain situations, I feel like even with Mr. Wednesday, it's like, I'd be like, yo, fuck this shit. What's really going on? And he's more like, what's going on? <laughs> Okay, you're not going to answer me. I'm going to keep on going, and then eventually you'll tell me. But with her, she has that effect on him. Like she's It's, it's interesting, right? His nose is like, wide open, as, they, as, the, as the old folks used to say. Because we, we learned that Wednesday slash Odin needed Shadow to have nothing to lose. So like when, when they meet each other... His wife is dead. He just got out of jail. Like, and he's just, he is very flat. Like, he is very disengaged and non-passionate. And, like, even though these wild things start happening all around him, it takes a while for him to, like, really start reacting to it. And, of course, the reappearance of Laura kicks the entire thing up a dimension. And, and you said that she's not, she doesn't get resurrected in the book. Oh, she, she, she does like she, she, she comes out of her grave in the book too, but her characterization is a bit different. She seems more, more depressed and less, she doesn't act out as much. Do they also have in the book, the idea of that he's like her center, her, her light? Yes. Yeah. She's, she, him or like his aura or his trail is one of the, is one of the few things that she can see and her, her her body is decomposing and she's troubled by it, just just as we see on screen. Except on, on, on the show, it seems like she's it's more of an annoyance than, yeah, than anything. She's, she's, she's like inconvenienced yeah, by yeah, it. Yeah, more yeah, more inconvenienced by by and this aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, she's she's um it's been a while since I since I read it a couple years actually, but um there's not as much bite in the book version of Laura. She seems more haunted by shadow. Like she wants to get back to shadow. Like she, her death, like her experiencing death means she does make her think that she loves shadow just as our, our Laura on here in the TV show does. But she's like, she's more wistful, a little bit more Mm. regretful. And does she meet her demise under the same circumstances? Yeah. Yeah. She was cheating and it was a really improbable um, (laughs) karma, karma type of accident. Hey, that's it happens yeah um, it it can happen and i actually one, one thing i do enjoy about this laura bitch bitch and all is i feel like it was super honest when she said that at the time that she said she could wait she thought there was a good chance that that was not going to be a lie i think that's a really interesting way to think about it and i think that's probably true and i i, I definitely agree with you on that on that aspect as well is when she said that line emily browning yeah 
the actress who played that role, I think she did a very good job as well of, of relaying when they show that scene of her saying that. You can see the doubt in her mind, but she, but also that kind of idea of, I think I can, I think I can happen, but there's a chance that it might. Like, mm-hmm. and then, especially since Shadow doesn't want to let her bar, like, doesn't want to let her accept any kind of blame criminally. Crime, yeah, yeah, because if they were in jail together, it actually might have been fine. You know what I mean? Like, if they were both doing the shorter terms. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have been together together, but, like, they would have been out at the same time. Like, And knowing her disposition, mm-hmm. I think she'd be fine in jail. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I think, she, I think she'd be okay. She's small, but she's tough. Yeah, she's tough. And <laughs> she just has that, that edge about her that... And she didn't particularly she like her life. No. She wasn't going to be missing it that much. Yeah, with the bug spray and the jacuzzi, so... Oh, my gosh, right? That's very interesting thing that they do for her and i I, but i and and one thing i do appreciate that about her in the story even though she's a bitch is um she she's more clever i think on screen here like you can see she's got a she's she's very smart Mm -hmm. um she's got plans like i have no doubt that her bank robbery or her casino robbery plan was amazing like i bet i bet it was really ingenious i'm i'm kind of curious about it actually and um play it out in the second uh maybe yeah maybe we'll get to see it that's another great thing about TV and film is that flashbacks can be so valuable. Like you can, you can, you can get so much from them and you can jump time and, and piece things together in a really great way. So I want to kind of segue this into some of uh, either your favorite scenes or some scenes that were eye catching or something that really caught your attention. Well, my, the first scene that, that really caught my eye was the slave scene mm-hmm. in uh, the, the opening of episode two. Yes. And again, I, I, I want to, preface this again and say that at the end of this podcast we'll have some lead up and things that we discussed on different podcast recordings Mm -hmm. and one of them it was uh, me brother to the left a new friend to the podcast um, but I've known him for a long time uh, Benjamin and we all talked about that slave scene so I won't go into that much detail here because you'll hear it at the end but that was one of the scenes that I thought uh, was really eye-catching and I, I really appreciate the attention and care that they brought to that scene in particular, how they directed it, how they shot it, the choice of dialogue. And the um, choice of music, As well as the choice of music. I I just thought it was very well done. So that was one of the scenes that that really stuck out to me. And I think Orlando Jones, who did Anansi, I think he did a a, a great job. Again, you'll get more of of that in-detail discussion um, at the end of the podcast. At least for me and um, brother to the left and Benjamin and Reddy, I forgot Reddy was there as well. Nice. Um, did you have anything you want to add to that, or did you have a specific scene that you wanted to? Yeah, shout out, shout out to that scene because it's incredible. I'll let your guys' discussion stand on it though, because I, I think it was probably awesome. <laughs> I was really haunted by a couple of different things. I, I, I like the giant retrospective about Essie McGowan. Um, that that shows up in season or <laughs> season an episode. Seven, where we get backstory on on Mad Sweeney, um, and we get to see the Irish woman that brought Mad Sweeney mm. to America, and they did a they did an interesting choice of casting Emily Browning also as Essie McGowan. So she's Laura and she's Essie McGowan, which is very interesting because yeah. her face is there, and the act the actress does a, a, a an excellent Irish accent. But there, there was a lot of detail. A lot of the coming to America vignettes are just at the the opening of the show, and they are, you know, they're about five or ten minutes, and then we do so do we do other things. And this one was much longer and more involved. And there were a lot of really moving moving parts to it. 
to it for me. Like I'm a, I'm a, a mother. So I, I appreciated what it meant that, um, like her story is goes back and forth. And then it turns out part of her salvation has to do with, with being a mom or, or being pregnant at the time that her indenture is purchased. Mm-hmm. And just like what it, what, what, it, what was Mad Sweeney like in at other times in his life? Like, what does it look like when a God is at his high versus down on his luck? Like that was really moving too. And to see him, to see Mad Sweeney take, uh, taking elderly Essie McGowan away, like, like, I know I have no quarrel with you. And she's like, yeah, the, and I have none with you. The gentleness and the, the yeah, it was super delicate. Yeah. yeah. Of that scene. Um, one thing that I did think about now that you mentioned that is mm-hmm. um, when you said that Laura was playing both roles yeah. is the interesting aspect of it is the change in the, the context of their relationship yeah. for each role is, is a little bit different. It's more contentious as, as, as Laura Moon versus as... Essie um, McGowan. Essie McGowan, thank you. Yeah. As Essie McGowan. But at the end, she... It's that love-hate relationship. So I, I thought that dynamic was interesting that it was... They had her play those both roles, but yeah. the, the dynamics between the same character is so so different. Yeah, and it kind of makes you wonder... Like it, it adds some dimension to Mad Sweeney's decision to give the coin back to Laura after it falls out of her body because he wanted it good so point. bad. Very good point, yeah. And he was allowed to take it because it fell out. Like, it was available again. And he puts it back. And there's, like, there's many layers of guilt. Like, we fill in the whole story. He obviously actually feels guilty about the car accident. Um, but then also, like, did they know each other? Is he familiar with her soul from a previous iteration? Like, he seems to be immortal. Or he's been in that body for a long time, hundreds of years. And, as, and if you think about all the damage that he's occurred, even in the yeah. scenes we've seen... It, like he's, it, it, yeah. gives, it gives the impression that he is immortal because he he endures the pain, he takes the pain, and he he does feel pain, but mm-hmm. it doesn't stop him from. It seems like anything. Yeah, you know and I like that they leave it sort of mysterious. Like, what does it mean that he is in that he is immortal and sh- and her spirit maybe showed up again? But I think I think it, I think they are hinting that spirits come back or at least some people's spirits come back because they, they describe Essie as very ambitious and Laura, although she's depressed is also ambitious. She tries to, she, she wants to take the casino and she, she has other, like she wants, she likes to get her plans done too. And I liked, I liked showing, cause I think uh, Essie's story said in 1721, it, it, it was interesting to see after they had mentioned slavery, they, it, it was interesting to see the sort of white version of slavery, the, the, what indenture looked like. And how di- and how different it actually and how she yeah for a short period of time got out of it yes yes and what what how women have to pay for things um, they have to pay for things with sex all the time and that's like that's an interesting contrast to some other ways that we see sex used in the show uh, but and and sex, sex is a form of currency sex is a form of worship um, there's sex is a form of power there's a lot of different ideas that they bring in with that. And and that brings me to uh, another another scene that that mm-hmm. I thought was pretty intense and important and uh, shows a recurring character is the Queen of Sheba. Mm-hmm. One of the you know she has a lot of memorable scenes um, from the very that first, actress is amazing. Yeah, she's amazing too. from the first scene that oh she's introduced to the scene where they have her back in um, Egypt where she's uh, where they have her with the pharaoh, the king, mm-hmm. and then she engulfs everybody those were great scenes but the the one scene that i felt was like a subtle more subtle more delicate scene was when basically she's at her lowest point 
Right. And recently, uh, 20, yeah, 2013, it, 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 they put yeah, it. Yeah, 2013 and Tech Boy or. Te- yeah, I think I think he is called Tech Boy, actually. Yeah. yeah. Tech Boy, basically, I, I don't know the line for line. I wish I, I, I should have got it. But uh, he basically says, you know, where followers is is the new gods. Worship or, is by or, quantity. Yeah, worship yeah. is by quantity. And it's by how many followers you can acquire. And basically gives her the phone and says... Super true, too. And and basically it puts her on Tinder and says, how how great of a guy you are because of how many worships you can get through this. She was so... Oh, my... The actress is so great. Like, so that... She doesn't even have any lines, but she's like looking in the Ethiopian restaurant and watching the destruction of the temple, which actually did happen. Like that, that's, that's, that's historical in our world that exactly. ISIS destroyed that's a bunch real. of temples. Yeah. And she doesn't, she didn't say anything. And her face is heartbreaking. Like I can't even look at, I can barely look at it. She's, she's, she's outstanding. This actress. What's her name? I don't, I don't know it, but, um, oh, she's so, she's so good. And also shout out to the fact that she's super dark skinned. Uh, we don't always get to see very dark skinned um, African American or black actresses, and she is. She's like perfect dark beauty, really really beautiful woman. And I think it's important that the Queen of Sheba be very beautiful. Um, but um, she just she brings so much to it. She, she the character actually doesn't have much to actually say. She doesn't speak that much, but her eyes are everything. She's beautiful. So uh, it's Queen of Sheba or Bill Quiss. Mm-hmm. And it's Yatita Badaka. And I know I mispronounced that, so please forgive me. That act, I'll, Actually, I'll spell it for so that uh, people can look her up. It's mm-hmm. Y-E-T-I-D-E is the first name. And the last name is B-A-D-A-K-I. And I know I, I, know I butchered that to death um horrible with names so but i agree with you 100 that's why i picked mm-hmm. out that scene because i thought in that scene she did a wonderful role um i think in the whole series she, she just did an excellent um job of portraying as you said many of the scenes she doesn't have many lines mm-hmm. but the emotional range that she captures is is pretty vast oh yeah and i love so we see well we see her for a moment looking at her jewelry. That's her the, jewelry. That's, yeah. yeah, that's another scene. She's there. She's there looking at it and maybe remembering some stuff. And then in in episode eight, we actually see her wearing it. We see her back in Africa and Egypt or Ethiopia, wherever she was. She was at wearing it at the height of her power. So kind of like they don't they don't like flash back to that. But I remembered because like her her looking at it was so significant. Yeah. And just the way that the jewelry was like drawing attention to breasts and vulva, like it was very like female sexual yeah, jewelry was, and decoration. It was basically an arrow pointing to yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like it's like it's just like very explicit. Like it's an obvious celebration of the female body in a way that you don't necessarily see in in a modern way like like fa- fa- fashion people can argue is a lot about celebrating yeah, the female body about, but that was like yeah. no really like what are the good parts <laughs> here they are like and, and no hesitation no shame no guilt nothing no associated shame with that. yeah that's, no that's shame the, I think the two two major aspects of that and yeah and what and the the way they portray um her being fed by sexual encounters was very interesting because there's like a metaphorical way that we understand feeding off of sex and they show that it's actually quite literal for her that she can she consumes others fully and and carrying on with this as well is i want to touch on the that there's a scene as well where 
the the first guy that was captured or mm-hmm. um engulfed mm-hmm. in, in her sexual womb mm-hmm. um, we'll call if if i remember this correctly i believe that they were trying to sin, uh, signify that like the universe is within that because there was another scene where later mm-hmm. you see him and he's like floating in space mhm and then as it's starting to pull out pull out pull out or pull in rather it looks like it it shows like a vaginal lips Mm-hmm. With the with the space in the galaxy, and then you see her. I don't know if I, I was just reading too much into that. Is that something that you took from that? And and the only and I didn't notice it the first time. I noticed it the second time when I was watching it with my brother, and I was like, oh, because you know I already seen it, so I can. I wasn't looking at specifically. I was looking more broad picture, and that's when I noticed it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's another understanding. I think they're kind of touching on the idea that there's not. There's not an afterlife. There's just a peaceful nothingness in some cultures. Like you don't have another life after you just like dissolve into an abyss or you're just in in the ether peacefully. So there's that. And I think that that goes with that goes with her partner's experience. Like they're not they're not panicked as they start to be consumed. They're ecstatic. They're joyful. They're not afraid at all. They lose everything. Yeah, euphoric. Exactly. It doesn't look like what we understand about death because there's no fear in this encounter. She's she's with them. They're together. There's some transfer of energy and then they are no longer in our plane. Where are they? Are they in are they inside of her? Does she contain the universe? It's like it's 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 not clear. It's 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 left a mystery. And I actually appreciate that. And I like that the art is not clear. What what is all that? Not sure. Leave room for interpretation. Yeah. And and I, I want to get to another of your favorite scenes, but I do want to piggyback off that into death because mm-hmm. death is a, is a, a strong component in this show. And, oh yeah, there's and, a lot and, of good things. And, there. and what it means by that, you know, as we talked about in that scene, that apparently that guy's dead now, uh, that was absorbed by her, but he experienced death in a different way than Laura Moon experienced death, mm-hmm. or. Uh, I can't remember. I don't. I don't know the name of the. She was a a minor character, but the one where you first introduced uh, when we first see Anubis, and he takes. Oh her. yes, the Muslim woman. Yeah, I love her little story. I don't remember the character's name at all, but the the actress is fantastic. And I, I wanted to touch on that too because the the part of her story that I like the most this is like an an immigrant woman living in New York, and she she dies because she falls off her kitchen step stool yeah, so, completely so mundane way yeah. and so she's she's greeted by uh or like anubis comes to her house to take her to the afterlife and she's like hold on a second like we, we were muslim here like what does it mean <laughs> if i follow the wrong god and like he reminds her of uh, stories that she was told in childhood like she's she's from egypt I like, like, there's something extremely poignant about, like, the stories that you hung on to as a child are more meaningful than whatever rituals you designed into your life for and your marriage later, or yeah. whatever else was going on. Like, what, what spoke to you as a child is what your spirituality truly is. That's really emotional and meaningful for me. I liked that a lot. And then that, that she can follow Anubis and have her heart weight on the scale and have it work for her. Yeah, heart Be- versus the feather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was a very a poignant scene. And one of the reasons why I thought that is because just that same point that you brought up about the fact that your religion or your spirituality or your beliefs as a kid holding on so strong. And if you think about it, especially nowadays, actually, I can't speak so far for nowadays, but when I was a kid, 
all of my friends, their grandmothers is the ones that was really forcing and pushing you to go to church, read the Bible, do all those things. And then just like a lot of us, as we got older, you know, high school, college, we started to formulate our own thoughts, Mm -hmm. branch out to either uh, staying in that religion, forming other opinions about religion and things of that nature. But even, let's say in my case with uh, my grandmother and her religion and everything like that, I'm not, I don't uh, ascribe to that religion necessarily, but those values Mm-hmm. still mean something to me nowadays. I, I think I'm, uh, as I've said on other podcasts, I think I'm as attentive and considerate to other people's needs and wants because of those values that she instilled on me based on her religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I just I just thought that was just a very interesting point. And the way that he says it, it's not, he doesn't get offended, he doesn't get angry when, when she says... He just so calmly says, you know, like you said, brings up the stories and she just has that look like, oh, like, yeah, I did forget about that. And you make a valid point. I do want to talk to talk to you about the the three door choice. Yeah. Wasn't that great? I, I thought I thought that was interesting. And bringing that into account. That's going to be important later. Yeah. Well, I, lightweight, lightweight spoiler. Yeah. I think I, <laughs> We're going to see the doors again. <laughs> And I'm gonna actually I'm gonna bring it up so spoiler go. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> why do you think that Laura experienced death in the same way as the Muslim as a Muslim woman? Exactly. Why is Anubis with Laura? Why is that? I don't have a good answer for that one. Yeah, because I was like because he had an answer for why he was with the Muslim woman even though she was Muslim. Mm-hmm. Laura, as far as we can tell, is or prior to that she seemed like she was an atheist. Yeah, seems super atheistic, and she's super pissed that she's dead and it's interesting that it's interesting that it's anubis because they're like they're maybe going to do the scale thing but then laura doesn't get a door he's going to put her in a hot tub for eternity like that's what you you believed in nothing you're i'm going to shut you in this vault forever and and she wants to know if if it'll be i forget exactly what she says but she wants to know if it's going to be peaceful or something and he and he can only say that it'll be dark or something like it's not peaceful and so that to me but i don't know why I, i do not know why it's anubis who's talking to her there and she's in the same plane, right? It's the same sort yeah. of this, the same, strangely lit uh, sand situation. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why. And yeah, I, 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 I couldn't figure it out either. And I just find it interesting that she's like, I'm not gonna, you, you're not going to weigh my heart. Like, <laughs> I already know. <laughs> yeah. And know. like, she's, and then the act of cussing him out, she's like blown out of, she's blown back out of the afterlife and she can climb out of her grave then. And I assume that was a result of the coin, of course. Yeah, not everyone can not everyone can um, can climb out of their grave. The coin is important for sure. Yeah, so I, that's what I think. And I like that I like the man Sweeney fucked it up and gave Shadow the wrong coin. And their scene in the diner is so hilarious. And and the just the 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 happenstance that yeah he gives it to Shadow and then Shadow gives it away because the other thing is when he meets the the woman about the moon. Mm-hmm. She says, "We gave you the sun, and you gave that away. Don't give this coin away." Exactly right. The those those characters are so it uh, shows that he has a he's of some significance because yeah. they're giving the, him these major things that he doesn't even realize the the value of which he's yes holding. these tokens that he doesn't know understand. 
and all the god and all the gods also accept him. It's interesting because like they they introduce this mystery and they're not uh, they haven't resolved it and they may they may never resolve it. But like the idea that you see gods or be- or believe in gods and they become real. How come Shadow sees all the gods from all the cultures? Why is that? Like yeah, it seems he- like maybe not everyone would see everyone, but Shadow sees all of them. Yeah, she Shadow sees all of them. Yeah. It's very interesting. Absolutely. I do want to. I do want to touch on a scene. It's very. It's very hyped to talk about this scene, but the the scene with Salim and the Jin. Yes, um, I I, de- I wanted that was another scene I wanted to. That bring one up. really sticks out in my mind because number one, you don't see explicit homosexual content very often, and it's quite explicit. It's very yeah, it's very explicit. And I had to weigh it like you, in our discussion about feminism, you were saying that the way that you check yourself was to like switch all the roles and see if you have a problem because then you know that your problem maybe <laughs> doesn't doesn't have merit. So it's like, do we see heterosexual sex scenes as explicit as that? We and we do all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. So it was like, so I just had, you just had to get your, your mind right. And then the, the performance from the actors, especially the, the, the gentleman who's portraying Salim, like it's, he's, he's really great. Yeah, he is. He's super, really great. And the whole um, entire episode, mm-hmm. uh, well, every episode I've seen him in, but that, that specific, I think it's episode three. Yeah. I are, think it's episode three. Yeah. But in that, from every scene that I see him in, he did a great job, even waiting in the, in the office. Like, yeah. He's really great. He's a, he's a really interesting face. Yeah. And um I thought that he was I thought he was just going to be a vignette character maybe in the TV show so I was super stoked when we see him again. And then he he wants to find the gin again. Like that that story is slightly different in the and, in the book, but I like what they're doing with it here. Oh, and like the way that they later refer to it Mad Sweeney makes this sort of offhand comment that if Salim were still in the country where he's from, like it, where it's illegal to be homosexual, like he might have um, he might have been killed or might have killed himself because you can't be out where he was from. He kind of, like Mad Sweeney kind of is teasing him or like yeah. throwing it away as a as a shite comment, but it kind of. Everything that's wrong with America, at least most people can be out if they need to be out. Like I, I yeah, we have our flaws, but we also have things that we we can. Yeah, like, and I also, like, there's a lot of, like, the the producers refer to it as a a romantic scene, and I actually think it is quite romantic. I I would definitely agree with the the romantic aspect of that scene. The same thing as you, when I first saw it, it was, it was shocking, it threw me off, I was, I I remember literally asking um, myself, watching the scene, and after the scene, I was, what was the purpose of it? Like, I understand it's a love scene. I get that. And I do want to say that it did seem very intimate, um, not just just a sex scene, that it was, that there was love and care. And that's why it makes sense that they did bring him back because he does want to meet him again. He he did care about him, even though it was a one night stand. Mm-hmm. And he's chasing a feeling. Yeah, chasing had. a feeling that he had. Mm-hmm. Who knows if his love at first sight, you know, he, yeah, he like felt that thing- he felt his soulmate or that the 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 gin itself, you know, by the act of having sex with a human imparted something on him that made him feel this way um, instead of actual true love or true um, want. That's yeah. something that uh, from the scene I saw, I, I can't determine. But what I did want to ask you based on that scene one, what do you think was the purpose of the scene besides to show from the story's perspective or from, from the, the TV show's perspective? From the story's perspective, because I get that they're introducing the characters mm-hmm. and I get, but they don't really give more 
about the Jen's role in this story or Salim's role in this story based on the scenes that I saw. And maybe I'm missing something and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, I I don't know where they're fully going to go with it because they, they made a couple of changes, I think, with what they're doing. I think they were introducing some... Like, so, the, like, a djinn is another name for a genie. Yeah. yeah. So, like, what is it? What is a genie? It's, it's, it's wish fulfillment, literally. And, and also, like, the idea of hope. Um, there's the idea of obsession. Um, there's the idea of, like, an answer. Like, a, like, a, like, a granted wish is like an answered prayer. So, it's like maybe different language to understand. They touched on that a the little idea. bit because he said. And, like, Salim is a really, was a really religious guy. Yeah. Like, he perfectly practices the five prayers a day. Um, he prays to Mecca. Um, he, and he does that. He does that before and after he meets the jinn. Um, and so, he, the, the, his interaction with the jinn doesn't change that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. I, I, so, I don't, I don't 100% know. But I I liked that I like that his his experience with the gin, like it shows you how much your life and perspective can change off of a single incident, like a like a single small period of time, like a couple of hours with the gin changed everything. He abandoned his old life and was given a new one. And they 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 talk about it. They like they sort of show it in the show because like he like is he takes the Jin's clothes and starts driving the Jin's cab and the Jin is gone and it he says it he says it's like being granted a new life and and that's like the idea of resurrection which we also re- revisit in other parts of the story. Like I think it's like another way to talk about a lot a lot of the ideas that they're already talking about. And to jump off that as well is something that I just thought about now that uh, that's why I'm glad we had these conversations about mm. these shows is. When you said that about the resurrection of uh, uh, about him, it was in essence a grant, his wish being granted. He says he says that too. Like the Jen's like I don't like I don't grant wishes. Like, yeah. And, but and Salim is like y- you are like right now like right now I am having a wish granted. And and that's what I'm. And even like as after that point after his encounter with the Jen, it's his wish was granted by that interaction, as you said in mm-hmm. in, in the and the way that I'm seeing it is in the regards of. He was going down a path as a salesman of selling whatever he was selling. Nobody was buying it. Yeah. The dude didn't want to Misery. See him. So purgatory. He, and, and he yeah. was, in his mind already, he was going to, just like he is uh, blindly devoted to the, well, I won't say blindly devoted, but devoted to his rituals of uh, praying to Mecca five times a day. Mm-hmm. He was devoted to the same thing of salesmanship of, I have this product. I need to sell it. This is the guy I'm supposed to sell it to. I'm going to go to his office every day until he buys it. Kind of that idea because he said he's going to make the appointment again tomorrow yeah. to do the same thing. And we know they're putting him through the the, uh, uh, the cycle of we're never going to give you this, this appointment. So yeah, that kind of thing. And by him having that experience with a gin broke that cycle mm-hmm. and granted his wish of giving him real uh, meaning. Of- and I, yeah, the other thing, the other thing I liked is. When we see him, we see him with the jinn. That's how we meet Salim. And later Salim says that when he prays, he thanks God for bringing him to where he's at, as opposed to asking God for things, which is another way that people pray. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what was he, what was he doing with the jinn? Was he asking him for this loving experience? Was he offering himself to the gin and then like he was so happy and fulfilled by his experience that he's like he's now chasing the gin across the country. 
but it's just like, what does it, what does it mean to have a spiritual moment? Like it can look like a lot of different things. Like, like you sometimes do hear sexual experiences referred to as spiritual or like some people say that certain kinds of sexual contact with others is spiritual in nature. And like, you really get that. And like, they, they, they show it the way that they choose to, to, to depict the scene there. There's some of it is in reality in the room that they're in. And some of it is like in the landscape, like in the universe, like their bodies, like are different colors and take on different dimensions and are like huge. And they really hint at how you can make a real, a a spiritual connection with another person. Like the Jin is not a human person, but he's still a person like uh, in the, he's a, he's probably a, a a demigod. Um, like they, they, they say there's a whole range of characters like like matt yeah, sweeney is not a god that's he's a demigod yeah like he's in somewhere in the same realm as matt sweeney and then has a body like a, a corporeal feeling body um i think that's probably the difference actually like what happens when you punch odin i don't know like <laughs> i'm kind of mm. worried um <laughs> yeah i think that those are valid points that you're making in regards to uh the idea of the, the sexual connection and spiritual and as i said uh you know if you think about da vinci code during some of the pagan rituals and some of other religious rituals, sex or having sex or copulation is a part of it. And they say, uh, again, in the Da Vinci Code, uh, that, you know, the closest that you get to God is when you orgasm. Mm -hmm. A common idea, yes. So that, and they touch on that with the gin scene as well. Um, Yes, it's like, like, when are you most in... And out of your body simultaneously. It's at that moment. It's it's interest. It's an interesting discussion. And I do think the I do think with what the, it's interesting because when the, when we see more from Salim later, like it get, it adds so much to what we what we have already seen. So it, it makes me like it more. Like if we only saw it, if we only saw him once, like he was still an amazing actor. Um, but I'm so glad we see him again because we get to really understand why he's chasing the gin because their their time together was so powerful. It's like, ah, I would chase that guy too. Like it adds a it adds a lot to it, and it and I think it stops it from being being a scene that they put in only to be titillating. Like what, like what would be controversial? Like a super graphic sex scene is controversial. Like it's even more controversial if you make it a homosexual, super Mm -hmm. graphic sex scene, but it's not only that there's so much other stuff that they put onto it besides just the fact that you can see their bodies. Like there's, there's more stuff going on. There's definitely seen that there was a, so many levels and, and components into that scene. So I thought it was, I thought it was well done. Um, Like Mm -hmm. I did say it was shocking. It was, um, and pushes the envelope. Yeah, maybe, it pushes the envelope. And like I said, it's as you said as well. Is that it's not something that we see on a mm-hmm. on a normal basis. That and that's why it was shocking. Not that I think it's disgusting or anything like that. That that's not. I I, I want to make sure that's clear that that wasn't the reason why I thought it was shocking. It's just because it's not something I see on an average basis, and mm-hmm. it wasn't something that I was expecting to see. I do think it was a well done shot. I think it was very poignant. Yeah, and it was. I think artistically, it just. It was, it was, it was nice. Yeah. They knocked um, it out of the park. And I love the fire effect in the Jin's eyes. Yeah. It's I, really beautiful. I think that was really, I, I think that was, that was very, very well done. Now, picking back off that, the fire that you saw in the Jin's eyes mm-hmm. is very similar to the fire that you see in the bison goat. Yes. It's just like that. It's just like it. Interesting, right? Interesting. I don't know. Are they related? I think I'm going to go ahead and not speak on that. I, I was putting it out there because I have a feeling that that is covered in the book. Yeah. Like one thing I will point out that I think is relatively safe to point out is in the book, 
it's much more strongly implied and considered and discussed that Shadow is of uh, is of mixed lineage, including significant native um, or indigenous blood. It's clear that he's not like it's it's obviously that he, it's obviously he's a character of color in the TV show, but I think they're sort of downplaying the the, the indigenous part for for now. They might bring it out later. They haven't ruled it out. Which, but it's I think it's more clear in the in the book earlier that he's got significant native heritage which is funny because a i guess a i won't say a running joke but a a common joke or theme in the african-american community is if a black person comes up to you and say and you say what are you they'll be like i'm black and i got some blackfoot some so it's the idea that they're trying to incorporate that and that does make sense because of in the beginning or the first episode, they bring in the idea of the Native Americans and they do bring up that goat bison fire thingy. So that's why I was like, the fire eyes, how does that relate to the djinn? But as we see, other cultures and religions do have a tie together just of gods. Mm-hmm. Because like the djinn knows Mad Sweeney. Yeah. And those are vastly... Mad Sweeney you know, knows everybody. Yeah, vastly different... Um, <laughs> religions um is there any other scenes that really stuck out to you that that you wanted to talk about um i like i like the idea that or i like the discussion of easter in episode eight and that what does an easter party look like with the goddess of easter it's her exactly it's her (laughs) it's her plus like a hundred different jesus's and i like that because it also ties to the thing in episode three where um the mexican jesus Yes, exactly. Yeah. Where where Wednesday is saying that um, of all the Jesuses, he knows the Mexican Jesus is the one that's closest to like that's the closest to the mark. And then we also get to see him in the vignette about people trying to cross the border. We and he see gets killed. we see him again. Yeah, in essence, saving. Yeah, God, that was so upsetting. Which, which, that was such an upsetting story. It was, and it was upsetting, but but also, important too. Yeah, I think it was very important, and I'm glad that they chose to. Me too to navigate and have the Mexican Jesus as the closest one to the mark, as, as Wednesday says, because that gave them the opportunity to create that scene that we saw. Yeah. And that scene not only uh, illuminates, you know, the, the religious ties to Jesus and, um, you know, dying for people's sins, you know, being a, a martyr, all, these, all, all those aspects of it, but it also mm-hmm. ties into the idea of immigration and, and how it can yes. affect people and how people can take it to the extremes of 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 that scene yeah like is someone trying to get to another place is that really punishable by death like it's just so it's so disturbing the way like, and it should, and it should and be extreme. disturbing yeah and it because it be. is disturbing and and i think that's why it was well done and that's why i think they shitted it that way so it can invoke some and, emotional response and, to it yeah and the unbelievable hypocrisy that they very clearly lay out because because who do they who do all the mexican people talk to before they try to cross over they talk to jesus and then who and then whose name like whose name is on the guns and the bullets that the fucking vigilante border patrol people are it it, it's just it's it's really upsetting yeah the juxtaposition between both of them yeah praying and worshiping the same yeah god and religion but have vastly different views on it. Yeah, and I like that they they've sort of brought that they haven't talked about it so much with Jesus directly yet, but like in general, like what the god like what is what does it mean if a god has to sell out or like 
survive in the culture? Like, what does it mean when things are done in my name that I actually don't approve of or don't like, do I take the power because it's still power or do I, you know, eschew it and weaken myself? And like, they kind of, they make that point about, um, they kind of like Easter, uh, the, the character of Easter is, um, pretty cheerful about, yes. about what has happened to I her love, situation. I, she did a great job with that too. I, yeah. I love her. But it's like interesting cause media, media comes to call, um, to the Easter party and is mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you know what this deal looks like, you know, St. St. Nick took a deal like this and it's just like, it's just like one comment, but like it perfectly illustrates like the, the intersection between old religious rituals and like the unbelievably messed up commercial world that we're in now because like easter has that too it's a little bit less insane than it is for christmas but it's the same thing like we 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 say the character's name but it's like some weird thing that we buy like it's not an actual devotional for people anymore it was interesting when they brought up wednesday was basically like nobody's worshiping you nobody is all these jesus's that are at your party that they worshiping you just the you just getting their their leftovers in essence that was an interesting play it was that that Wednesday made it was interesting but it's, it was it's true it's true though and like I like how this happens in the book and it also happens in the TV show that you can kind of tell that there's some truth in the in in God's being forgotten and dying out because we meet them with their old names like I don't know the name Ostara her old name mm-hmm. I've never heard that name before yeah. Or not, not before I encountered this, this book. Like, and so it's like, it's true. Like they do die out. They do have to evolve or they evaporate. Like, and you actually, you also see that idea in the, in the animation of the people crossing the land bridge who brought their God. And I don't, I don't know the name of the people. I don't know what group they're supposed to be, but they, they have, they have, they're going to starve and they're their tribal leader, the woman has a vision and she has to, she has to sacrifice herself on, on the, on the big uh, mammoth on the mammoth. And then, so, and and that seems to be a message from their God and that happens and they meet other people and other things happen, but their God, the God with the tusks dissolves, like his, his little, his idol gets absorbed by the earth. And then we, we, you never see see it it again. again, And it's, it's, it's another, like that that's actually one of the things I love about the show is they, they have a couple of themes that they present in several different ways. Yeah, and, and very interesting and, and and visually stunning ways as well. Yeah. So I did want to uh first I want to give uh Kristen Chenoweth, who is Easter or Astera. I think she did a really good job um of portraying that role. because uh, I've seen her in a lot of other things and yeah, she she same. she's she's very good. Uh I will say to a certain extent she tends to be typecast to a certain extent in most of the roles that I've seen her in. But I think she did a very good job on this role, especially when you see her in the beginning of the episode, or not in the beginning of the episode, but the beginning when she's introduced to the show. Yes. Especially in comparison to how she acts at the end. Yes. I think is very telling. And again, speaks to the Mr. Wednesday, how convincing he is. And because... The, one of the things that he says, again, spoiler, you should watch the show. If you've made it this far, you're screwed. <laughs> but uh, is when he says that, you know, we need to go back, basically going back to the old ways of if you pray to me, good things happen. If you don't pray to me, bad things happen. Yes. Um, he I, calls it the old contract. Yeah, the old contract. I thought was was interesting because if you think about religion and, you know, the way that gods were created... Uh, we're based on things of, you know, hoping and wanting certain things to happen. And when they did happen positive for you, 
you thank the gods if they didn't go well for you you say you didn't pray enough that idea and that now society which they also touch on is we kind of pray differently so therefore reward punishment is different because we don't really pray like it's more about our attention how much time we're devoting to something yes um, yes they they explore that idea a lot what is what is worship and prayer like the new gods say it's about likes and followers now on social media it's it's i think they're not wrong when they say that no i and, and i agree but that that leaves the question of what would be the punishment in that in that system if it's about attention reminds me of black mirror which is another great series do you do you ever watch that i watched a couple episodes on it it's real dark yeah what it was there, there is a really great one that considers that question about social media those were just some of the things that I thought about in regards to uh, Easter. Another thing that I do want to bring up, the scene with uh, worshiping the guns. And oh, the, yeah. was it Vulcan? Vulcan, yeah, yeah. This is in episode six. Yeah, I like we we go to Vulcan and we see that his modern iteration, fire, and he, he, he says the, the power of fire is firepower. <laughs> Um, which sounds silly, but then like the more you think about it, the more, the more you kind of understand where he's coming from or the point that he's trying to make. And, and it actually helped me understand a little bit. Like the, the United States is different from basically every other nation that is considered our peer economically and that we have civilians carrying guns yes. at, at, a, at a higher rate per capita than any other country that is like us in any Especially other way. Especially when we're not in a constant state of war. Yeah. So we're, our culture is extremely unusual when it comes to guns and the, I, the, the discussion Vulcan brings into it about why people are so attached to their guns that they represent comfort, safety, security. And I've, I've, I've seen those arguments articulated other, other places. And I personally am not a huge fan of civilians being able to carry guns. Neither am I. And I can second that living when I lived in Georgia. They yeah. They love their guns. Yeah. And like it, I appreciated that they brought, they brought it into the story because it did give me pause to help me understand why a normal person might want something like a gun. And that's, that's, and being able to understand that position is really hard for me usually. And just having his little discussion about what it means to have a weapon like that close, literally close to you on your hip. Like they are talking about like, it's, it's the blanket. warmth of it is, ne- is next to your body. It's Linus's security blanket. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. There's, there, there's that idea. And then I also like the idea that people are so captivated and single minded by gun- single mindedly, defending their right to have a gun because they are actually in it's their way of worshiping Vulcan or they're they're following Vulcan like like if you're a huge if you're a huge fan of your gun if you love your gun if you need your gun you're a follower of Vulcan I kind of like that idea and what I'll say based on on that I I definitely agree with all the points that you made one of the points that you made specifically about I always understood to a degree at which gun owners felt the comfort of a gun. Again, I'm not a person. I do not own a gun. I don't even. I don't feel the need to own a gun. I don't have. I never had the intentions of it. it again, but if I've been around a lot of people that have guns that feel the need that they need to have their gun, and I, I, I don't. I don't get it, but I can understand why they feel that need. I don't feel the need, but I can mm-hmm. understand why they feel that need. Now, with that being said, my counter argument to 
anytime people talk about because this this comes into contact with gun control and the idea of gun control. It does. Is yeah. that I can understand you feeling you need a gun or you want a gun to feel safe, as as Vulcan um, so eloquently puts. Feeling the heat, feeling that that you're protected, you're protecting your family. It's a security. I get that, but there is a point where there's a excess. You don't need an AK-47 to give you that security and that warmth and protection that you need for a home invasion. Like though, like th- there's a point where nobody's nobody's breaking in your house where a non-automatic rifle can't do the job. And I like that they, without without hitting us over the head with it, I like the comment that he makes because um, Wednesday commissions a, a sword from Vulcan, who's a, a master blacksmith, and that, that's actually part of the Vulcan story that he's a master blacksmith, so I like that too. But like he, he says, like Vulcan's kind of making fun of uh, Wednesday a little bit. He says like you could, basically says that you you could kill everyone you know and all their children and all their grandchildren's children, it would take you hundreds and hundreds of years and you, it would not be the same body count that you could make with a gun in a single day. And, um, we, we've discussed with many of the gods that one of the ways that they exist and feed is from sacrifice and blood sacrifice. And it's like, why is Vulcan so happy to have all these incredibly gun crazy followers? And it's because they make bloodshed. Like they, they create energy for him through the act of sacrifice and the act of violence and, and the acts of violence that come from and, and owning even, guns. And even if it wasn't through people dying, it's the fact that so many people use it. Right. So yeah, like just so every time, the, every time, every time somebody shoots, not even at a, tar- yeah. at a firing range at a target, every time somebody shoots a Vulcan bullet, yeah, he's in essence being praised. Anytime yeah, they do some destruction. Yeah. So he says that he's a, like, he likes gun, like it's, it's his adept and how he how he survives as an old god in the new world and the, the those are very thought provoking things and i like that like is it like i i don't i don't think you can ever discuss guns with and have it be apolitical in the us so is it a, is it a political piece of story sure but i think they don't actually say like I don't think it's a full on condemnation of people who want to own a gun. I think it's more layered than that and more detailed than that and they they bring a lot of And that's and that's what I was touching on yeah. is the fact like I said I get you feel the need of wanting a gun. I don't get the feel of you need that you need an AK47. I don't see the need. Like I can see that like I said I can mm-hmm. I can I can empathize with somebody saying having a gun in my house makes me feel more secure. I to me logically I can I can rationalize how that would make sense. Yeah, I can't logically rationalize how you wouldn't feel safe with, you know, a nine millimeter versus, but you don't you you don't feel safe with a nine millimeter, but you feel more safe with an AK forty seven. Like to me, that that I don't get, and so that's that's I that's the nuances of, of it to me that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, um, I, I and I do want to ask you. Yeah. Do you know the history behind Vulcan of, you know, the origin of is it like with um, the hammer guy that that's, you know, Slavic religion, um, Odin, you know, I know, I know a little bit because because before you answer that, the reason because I don't I don't I have no idea, to be honest with you about the Vulcan. The only thing that I can relate or that I can think of that is similar or in the same vein as that is Hephaestus. Is it Hephaestus? The Greek god, mm-hmm. uh, the blacksmith. Yeah. Um, that's the only religious reference that I can think 
that that kind of fit that same vein. There's other gods of like war, destruction, you know, violence and things of that nature. But he was more. He seemed more of that. He was more of like the blacksmith, not just war and and, and violence. So that's why he created the sword. Yeah. So what what can you tell me about about that origin that you that you know of? Oh, not not that not that much really other than volcanoes are named for Vulcan. Like he's, you know, he's associated with fire. He's associated with, with lava. And he'd be associated with Hephaestus then because he, I think his lair or his home was in a volcano. Yeah. Like I think I actually, and I, sorry to all the classic scholars that may or may not be listening, but I think Hephaestus and Vulcan might be two different names for the same guy. Like, just like they did with the Roman. Yeah. There's like, there's a Roman pantheon and a Greek pantheon and they have a lot of overlap. And I think, think that i think that's the pair okay. that we're talking about um i might be wrong but um <laughs> hey leave us a comment to correct us we're, we're always open please to being do corrected. educate us over we, here yeah, at the we want, we, yeah. we don't yeah. claim we know it all we just we, we we just give what we know and uh and what we think and, and hopefully you guys can correct us hey this is a community we're trying to learn just like y'all so you know, let us know if you know. Yeah. If, you, if you're wiser than us, please inform us. And I, I do like that the gods are kind of, they're up for grabs because like when, when Wednesday discloses who who he is, he has like 50 names. He has so many names. Yeah. And he said, and he, and he keeps on going and he's like, I have so many names. You can even, uh, like basically he's like saying I can go on and on forever mm-hmm. uh, with the names that I have. The other and it's th- interesting because it made me wonder for a second when I, when he was speaking, how... Like if, if, if gods really do have a consciousness or they're, they have a, they have a presence on earth, like Wednesday is, he's in a location, right? Like people are trying to find him. He's either there or, some, or somewhere else. And like the, some of the, some of the gods and demigods have actual bodies. How do they know which prayers are for them when they have so many names? That idea was really interesting to me. Like who gets, who gets which prayers if there are so many names are, are any of them overlapping? And it does bring up questions like what we were just saying about Vulcan and Hephaestus, like who gets fed when, when we, is it both of them? Is there a Hephaestus running around that's hella hungry? Cause Vulcan took all the meals. Like, what does it mean? And, and that's, <laughs> that goes to my other question is because with the Jesuses, there's, right? multiple, there's so many Jesuses. There's multiple that was an interesting question. Each, but it seems like with, and, and, and again, this is all based on the, very uh, limited information that we have from me based on just the shows. Yeah. And and for you based on the shows and the book and she's trying to edit herself to 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 not give us too much detail. I think I'm doing decent. I, know. I think well I, <laughs> you haven't given me anything that I, I don't think that Yay. But um with Odin, the fact that he like you said that he has all these names but it only seems like there's one. Mhm. So I think there's like there's there's like um like they like they say about everything. There's levels to this shit. <laughs> there is <laughs> like, that. There is mm-hmm. like Easter and Ostara seem like the same word in different languages. Yeah. So then it's like Jesus has a bunch of different language-based names, but it's still the name Jesus. So it's like it, I don't know. It's very it, it, it challenges the mind. It's not it's not immediately clear what and, the rules are. And going back to uh, Vulcan for a second, yeah. The question that comes to mind now is the fact that he's as powerful as he is because guns have such a stronghold on American society. It says one or two things. The fact that Mr. Wednesday slash Odin slash the one I admit all Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he killed him so easily. Yes. Is that Odin is that strong or that Vulcan wasn't that strong? Interesting. And question. it seemed like Vulcan was 
Like he was, he was, he was basically putting down Mr. Wednesday, saying, "I'm not struggling for worshipers." Yeah, like why would I help you? Yeah, I'm why would I hungry. help you? I'm not hungry. You seem like he's you're hearing hungry. that a lot, actually, from his old God peers. Exactly. So even with um, Easter, to a certain extent, yeah. It's like, so I'm doing fine, she said. But yet they all still have this fear of him. So if he's hungry and he's still that powerful, where was he? Just those are some of the things that came to mind in regards to that. The fact that Wednesday killed him, but people still have guns and still worshiping him. Does that mean that can Vulcan be resurrected? Does somebody take his worships now? Like, how There's does all a great that question, into, right? Like, uh, does that mean uh, the I gods think. are like they're they're not you can't really they can't really kill each other until the, all the followers are gone, too? That's that's very interesting. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of bringing back a. It reminds me of um, of the Harry Potter idea that you can't kill he who must not be named until all the pieces of his soul are gone because they tether the him to the earth. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going to say, I think, to wrap this up, because we've been talking for a minute and we've gone through a lot of different areas and Season a lot of different two. places. <laughs> yep, that's that's going to be the, the closing question. Where do you think they're going to go from here? Well, we're definitely going to hear more from Laura, so that's not done at all. I feel like we actually have a few more gods to meet. Um, we got to see what's happening at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. The House of the Flat Rock? The House of the Rock? I forget what it's called. We got we to gotta go see the, the hoedown that Wednesday was alluding to. Who all was there? And also, Matt Sweeney talks about it. He's like, I'll show you your gods, your demigods, every last one of them. Yeah. When he... When, uh... Was it Celine? And we see, it? and we see Bilkis is on the bus, like she's going to the jamboree too, and she's in an she's in an interesting state of flux because she's an old god, and we've seen that she started to convert, kind of yeah, and evolve. And it seems like they're trying to get her to play double agent. That's what I think Tech Boy was uh, alluding to when he was like, "I'm calling you in my favor." Mm-hmm. Basically, I think he's gonna have her go to this meeting and try to infiltrate Wednesday's plan and, and figure out really, I mean, they have an idea that, yeah, we're going to war, but what is his strategy? What is how he plans to um, achieve that? I definitely do. Some of the things <coughs> I, that, I, that I'm definitely interested in finding more about is Anansi's role. And I, I, I hope. Oh, and, and, okay. and also why shadow? Yeah. Odin is a God. Why, why did he have to do this unbelievably complicated plan to get close to shadow? What a, what the hell? My prediction, again, I haven't read the books or I only saw the first season, but my prediction, they need Shadow because they are in America. Mm. And Shadow has the tie to the strongest God in America. Strongest old God in America, per se, because of his uh, Native American heritage. Mm, I like all that. Part of me thinks that either Shadow is either connected to that God, is that God, or has the ability to sway that god to Wednesday's side. And basically that's like uh, the the key fighter. It's basically whoever gets this god, that that will change the tide. That's very interesting. So I mean, it's, I assume it's going to be a minute before we get to season two because season one just ended. Yeah, I don't know. Probably make us wait like, like, like HBO. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to bring up that, that we didn't get to mention so far? Um, I would... If you're hesitating to read the book, I think you should read it. 
not not, not just you specifically, uh, <laughs> DRA, but um, that's for everybody out there. <laughs> I really enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed the book. It's one of my favorites, and I'm really, really enjoying the show. And even though they don't match, they they are have the same captivating level of ideas. Like it just, it really makes you think. And I feel like that's so rare and I'm enjoying the process of thinking. And I like the questions about spirituality and religion. And I think, um, if you, if you liked the show at all, I think you will also like the book. I mean, I'm definitely going to read the book. Um, cause mm-hmm. I, I really do like the show. I do, as, as you stated, um, mm-hmm. I do like the fact that it is very thought provoking. I do like the Super fact that it, it does take you to, to places, even like, as we discussed on this podcast, there's subtle scenes that will take you to places that I never thought I would think about in that, that way that it would take me to, you know, question religion in, in that way. When, when people say question religion, it usually has a negative connotation, but as I've said on and many podcasts before that questioning something isn't a negative to me, that's how you can dive deeper and learn more. I, I that's something I really enjoy about this show is that it does make me think deeper. It does make me think question, certain things and, and learn more. Uh, I've learned more about um, other religions than, than I, than I have since my college years. Um, yeah. Just because, cause I, I want to learn more. I want to know more, even things that I thought I did know, like um, with Odin and, and Easter uh, that, that I, I would have never looked in, deeper into if it wasn't for this show. Um, so I want to say, uh, I think it's a really good show. It's on stars. For the people that haven't watched it yet, we can thank the god, the gods of media, for bringing it to us. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, Jillian mm-hmm. um, Anderson. I want to say I think she did a great job of, of playing media. So She's she did amazing. Bring her up a tour de force. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to say uh, thanks to the media and and Tech Boy. Thank you to everybody for listening to another Stable podcast. I want to thank Miss Alana Jane for uh, coming and and sharing her insight and and just having another great conversation with you about it, taking oh, us to places you. that. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do if I, I was doing it on my own um, or somebody that wasn't as knowledgeable about the, the topic as you were. So, I Oh, my gosh. Thank it. you. Such a pleasure always. You know the podcast motto. Live, listen to some great music, watch some great TV shows, and think more. And above all, love more. And we're out. Hey, everybody. Again, this is D-Ray Brinson, and I just wanted to add a production note. I know I stated in the beginning of this episode that there'd be an extra or bonus clips of our American Gods talk at the end of this, but that actually will be on our Patreon page. So visit patreon.com and that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash stay woke podcast. And you can get the contents of those bonus clips there starting on Wednesday of next week. So again, thank you for listening and we appreciate it. And we out. What's a king to a guy? What's a guy to a non-believer?